When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Liday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, a little frustrating night to be a fan of the Diamond Ducks, though. Uh, yeah, um, we delayed recording to, uh, see if we could, um, uh, uh, watch the softball and baseball teams, uh, get some, uh, uh wins against, uh, higher ranked teams and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, so we decided to hit the record button. Let's start out talking about softball. Um, you know, uh, they cleared the regionals for the first time under, uh, Melissa Lombardi, um, in an upset, uh, win, they had to go back to Fayetteville as they were in, uh, the 2022 season. Um, uh, but this time they, uh, you know, they, they just creamed, uh, uh, Arkansas, um, uh, on a, you know, very nice hitting performance, pretty good, you know, pitching too, um, uh, you know, limited Arkansas to four runs in both games, um, but just blasted them like uh, Arkansas's pitching just could not keep up with the Ducks bats. Um, and, and it was a full spectrum batting performance, you know, you know, combined small ball uh, base running um, and, and then power hitting, you know, uh, including the final game with a walk off grand slam uh, by Ariel Carlson. Um and, uh, you know, for, for all the criticism that Melissa Lombardi has taken, including on this podcast for the way that they went out, um, of the PAC 12 tournament on, on what was sort of a baffling pitching decision against Stanford, you know, sort of restored a lot of, you know, faith for like the way that that program is, you know, you know, sort of incremental improvement every year, I think has been the goal. And I think that box got checked by clearing the regionals this year, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, Definitely. Um, and it was uh, it was a big surprise considering the, the the way that they kind of foundered toward the end of the end of the season. There, I know you and I were talking last podcast about how how we were kind of expecting them to close out you know the regular season maybe on a on a winning streak because you know they might be able to sweep Utah. Turns out Utah swept them, and then yeah. uh, you know going right into the the Pac-12 tournament and losing right away. I mean, albeit to you know a very good Stanford team, but still. Um, you, you know, you go down right away. Um, and then it's like, uh, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like they flipped the switch again. Uh, they, they, you know, came to play against Notre Dame. It was a hard fought game. Um, and, and, and they squeaked by him, but I mean, man, against Arkansas, I don't know where that kind of offense was coming from. That, that, that was kind of a, a different sort of hitting than we've seen all season. 
Well, honestly, I, I, you know, I think the SEC was probably just a super overrated conference this year. Um, you know, that, you know, the 13 of the 14 SEC teams, uh, play softball. Um, uh, the one that doesn't is Vanderbilt, um, which is weird because their baseball team is really, really good. I don't know what that's about anyway. Uh, um, and they sent 12 of their 13 teams, you know, to regionals, um, and nine of them got eliminated. You know, the, the PAC 12 sent more teams to super regionals, um, uh, uh, than the SEC did. And the PAC 12 sent half as many teams, you know, to, to regionals, you know, um, and that's with UCLA going out like an embarrassing fashion, like the, you know, the PAC 12 probably should have sent five, um, instead of four to super regionals uh yeah uh you know uh you know and so like you know the fact that you know arkansas was a regional host and ranked 11 you know like they're it was like their pitching staff had never seen anything like, you know, the hitting performance that Oregon put on. Um, and I sort of feel like the PAC 12 was probably, you know, vis-a-vis the sec. It was probably an underrated conference. Um, you know, either basically there's, there's three softball powers in, you know, there's the, the PAC 12, the big 12 and the sec. And I think that probably, you know, the big 12, or at least the top of the big 12 is really, really good. Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are just incredible, you know, softball teams. Um, and I think, you know, sort of the, I I think probably the way that the, the, you know, the people who are responsible for ranking softball teams, you know, felt that the sec was better than the PAC 12 this year. Um, and they're probably just wrong about that. You know, the, the PAC 12 is probably significantly better, um, than the sec was. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that, that, that Oregon finished in the middle of the PAC 12 and behind teams like, you know, UCLA and Stanford and Washington and Utah, you know, you know, where, where, you know, I just named a bunch of regional hosts, you know, um, and yeah, UCLA had the embarrassment of the tournament, um, so far, but like, you know, you know, Utah is peaking at totally the right time. You know, like I feel like if, if Oregon caught Utah earlier in the season, instead of the final series of the regular season, they probably would have, had a better chance at winning that series, but Utah has True. just been on this, like, you know, yeah. th- this like ski slope right type now. of a season. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like the worst possible timing for Oregon to have played them. I, I feel mm-hmm. like if they had played them at the very beginning of this, of the regular season, that might've been, you know, probably wouldn't have been a sweep and it might've been like a two, one win um, for the ducks, but you know, what, what are you going to do? You know, the schedule is the schedule, but you know, my point being that like, I, I feel like Oregon was, was a pretty good team in an extremely good conference. Um, and and the teams that they've lost to were just like, yeah, I mean, it is fair to criticize the ducks as not being an elite team, like, because they're not like, they're clearly not, they lose to, to, to the teams that are better than them. Um, cause that's what happens when you're not an elite team is you, you lose to the teams that are, um, uh, and you have a really hard time like manufacturing wins against teams, you know, that are, you know, the, uh, a notch above you. Um, and the other thing that I would say about Oregon is that, like, I don't think they're elite in any one area. Um, you know, like, for example, Washington is like an elite hitting team. 
right? Like yeah. Washington. Did you watch the the regional that Washington played? Um, I did. I did see some of that. Yeah, they, uh, was... they were really in trouble against McNeese. They they yeah. almost pulled a UCLA and got eliminated by McNeese State of uh, Louisiana. Um, uh, they barely got a run in, in the in the first game against them and lost. And the second game, they were down 0-6 in the bottom of the seventh inning. And then through like an incredible miracle, you know, batted their way to a win in that game, you know, and and wound up, you know, winning their regional. But that's because they have elite hitting, you know, yeah. like, you know, you you couldn't keep that team suppressed for that long, you know, elite hitting, you know, for that long. And it's why, like, you know, every week on this podcast, I'm just like the, the one stat of primacy on the diamond is, 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 is hitting, you know, and that's what, you know, you know, Washington, but that's, that's why, like, I don't think that Oregon is built in that way where they have like one, like, you know, yeah, we, we covered that last time too. Yeah. They were a little more of a, a balanced team. Yeah. I I think that the next step, you know, from Lombardi is to help get this team to be elite in, in a certain area. Um, Because I think that like when you're good in every area, that's always nice to see. But like you, like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to be elite in all areas. There's always going to be something. I mean, like the eventual goal. Yeah. the yeah. the eventual goal is to be elite in everything, but yeah, I don't know whether the path for improvement lies with you know a, you know, go from good at everything to elite at one thing and good at everything else, or b, you know, go from good at everything to great at everything. Yeah, yeah um, but still say. not elite at any one yeah, thing. Like it, I don't it, know whether a or b is there is is what the next step is. Um. I do expect I, them to take the next being, step, though. I don't want them to just like plateau. Yeah, I would, I would, I would think, at least from my perspective, that the next step should be being very good at everything, or you know what I mean. Even and and then even try to be great at a few things. Um, I, I I still think that the the winning formula for them is to stay balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you live and die by like one strength. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah. I tend to. Yeah, I'm with you on on that question. And uh, just as a general proposition, um I I tend to think yeah, exactly as you said. You know, when you live and die on one strength, if that thing is not working for you that day or your opponent figures out some way to take it away from you, like it's too easy to falter. You know, teams that are like balanced, it's it's it it's it it becomes that much harder to like take it away, you know, like you can you can fall back on something else if you know, yeah. yeah. I, I I just as a general proposition prefer that. So I mean, at, at this point, you've seen steady improvement ever since Lombardi took over, and now they're to the point where they're you know good at everything. So I'm, I think I mean, that the, the, the next step is just to kind of like you know get, become very good or even great at a few things, and then you know like once once you've accomplished that, I think you're then you're starting to get up towards the level of where they were before she took over, which is I mean, kind of the end goal. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, look, they, you know, they're probably going to lose to Oklahoma state, 
you know, like as we are recording this, they are losing the first game. Um, you know, it's difficult to imagine they come back from from where they're at right now. Oklahoma State's like the number five team in RPI. Like they're even better than what their seeding is, you know, yeah. and they're playing at their home uh uh you know the, the their 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 home stadium where there's something like 16 and 1 under their head coach in the postseason you know just like ridiculous you know it's just like no they weren't going to win this i mean come on like the you know getting there was the goal um maybe stealing a game you know would have been nice but they weren't getting out of this um the 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 goal has been demonstrating incremental improvement because like given you know, each year, like be, be a better team, each version of the, you know, you know, under Lombardi, you know, because yeah. given the level of investment, you know, that Oregon is going to put into the softball team, you know, look, man, they're just like, whether you think that Oregon deserves a, uh, win a national championship coach tomorrow, um, you know, or, uh, you know, or not. You know, if you believe that that is the case, guess what? What you need to do is donate a billion dollars, you know, and earmark that for the, you know, uh, higher, you know, Kelly Inouye Perez fund, you know, like, yeah, because with the amount of money that Oregon is actually going to put in to the softball program, you are going to get Melissa Lombardi or some or her equivalent. And if you fire her and 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 hire whoever else you're going to get for the same amount of money, it means starting over with version one. It means a bunch of players hitting the portal. It means, you know, having to rebuild. It means going, you know, starting back over five years you know, ago and building back so that in, you know, 2028, you are playing Oklahoma State again and getting throttled, you know. Uh, so like for, for me, that doesn't make sense. You know, it only makes sense if, you know, y- you, you are not seeing improvement year over year improvement and every year we have seen year over year improvement. So I'm, you know, I, I don't think it would be a good idea to, to, to make a coaching change as long as we keep seeing that. And we have, you know, she, oh, yeah. she, she just throttled Arkansas in their building. So Yep. Good. <laughs> you know, mission yeah. accomplished. Um, you know, next definitely, year's uh, definitely not in any hot seat with this year's performance. Or at least that, you know, in my opinion. I mean, I understand why like, I mean, look, man, if softball were an existential program the way that football is, uh where like your athletic department lives and dies on how good your football program is, and you, you know, cannot inform to any embarrassment by your football program. Like, and so therefore, you you know, you break the piggy bank to, you know, whatever the going rate is for a top quality coach, that's what you pay. And even if you think that's an absurd amount of money, it doesn't matter. It's existential. Um, uh, that's not the case for softball. No, it just isn't. I'm sorry. It's just not like, um, and, and so therefore like you know, this is the amount of money that gets spent on softball. Uh, and so the reasonable expectation given that parameter is year over year improvement. That box has been checked. Um, and in a future podcast, we will discuss, you know, what we expect out of the 2024 team. But for me anyway, and it sounds like you agree, like the box has been checked, you know, they they, compared to the 2022 team, they improved. They did. And I, I think it came, 
came to pass what we were talking about is just that they just had a, a brutal schedule early on. And as soon as they weren't facing that brutal yeah. schedule, you saw the real ability of this team. Yeah. So. And, and also, you know, not just, not, not just that from like a, 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 yes, definitely true. But then to build on what you just said, what we also now have is with a season's worth of data and, and now that they're into the postseason, and we can look at how the PAC 12, those Pac-12 teams performed against other leagues and how other leagues performed in their postseason play. What we can also see is that, like, it wasn't just Oregon versus other, you know, uh, within the Pac-12. It's holy cow, man, did Oregon face a brutal schedule. Like, you know, even with Oregon's, you know, record being what it was, you know what Oregon is currently standing, you know, Oregon is 35 and 15. That is their current record. They're number 20 in RPI because losing 15 games, the 15 games that they lost, you know, or to such brutal teams that they still wind up ranked, you know, 20th in RPI, yeah, right? Like, exactly. you know, whereas, you know, for example, uh, uh, they're, you know, like Wichita State, for example, uh, only lost 10 games, but they're ranked 23 because guess what? They don't play in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So... You know, you know, finishing number 20 in RPI is pretty damn good. You know, uh, you know, all things considered. All right. uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk baseball. Okay, uh, as we are uh, recording, uh, uh, Oregon is locked in a battle with Stanford. Um, In the first inning, uh, they gave up, I think, four runs to Stanford, which looked a little brutal, but they've... It's three to six right now uh, in the top of the fifth. Uh, So I don't know. Maybe they can do it. The bats uh, mean that they're always sort of in the game. Uh, They need to win this game in order to uh, advance. Uh, This is the um, it's not the inaugural baseball tournament, but it is the first year that they've switched to pool play for the uh, preliminaries, which is sort of a game theory nerd. I ran out the numbers. I think pool play is kind of dumb. Um, basically works as a cheap version of a double elimination tournament. And even then it winds up preferring the teams that enter with the highest seeding. Like anyway, don't, you probably shouldn't get me started. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, about the schematics of it. The, the fact that Oregon entered it with, you know, so because it go, pool play advances to semifinals, the fact that Oregon was ranked number six going in to, to pool play meant that it was virtually impossible for them to get the wild card. The wild card was going to go to one of the top five teams um, going, you know, into it. Um, just the structure of pool play made it so, you know, it's virtually impossible for a team ranked six, six through nine um, to, to get one of the wild card seeds, which mean which meant they needed to win both of their games. They won their first game against Cal um, barely <laughs> it was three to two. Um, <laughs> but yeah. like the instant that Stanford beat Cal, um, which like they clobbered them, um, that was it. It was done because, you know, uh, uh, you know, Stanford was going to get the wild card as soon as they got a win because, uh, it, it, 
that, that just is how it works. As soon as, you know, they become one, if they're one and one and they're the number one seed, they automatically get the wild card. Uh, the only way they wouldn't get a wild card is if they were zero and two, which they weren't as soon as they beat Cal. Uh, that's why pool play is stupid. Um, but I said that I wouldn't get into it and then I did anyway. <laughs> um, deep breaths, deep breaths. The, th- the thing about Oregon is that, you know, in terms of like evaluating was, uh, is that like the, the pitching staff, we knew it was very young. We knew that Aeon was injured, who was going to be like their best pitcher. And he's been gone the whole season. They keep telling us every week that like, oh, he's going to maybe this week. And then he never is. Yeah. And then. And then they sort of developed like, hey, maybe Jay Stofall is a good pitcher, but then he's been gone for an entire month now. Like his, the last game that he pitched was April 28th. So we are coming up on almost 30 days since he last pitched a game. So like, you know, they're, they're pitching just stinks, you know? And, and so like they got to hit like 10 runs every single game, which like the team is almost capable of doing, but that's a big ask, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were they were able to do it against Utah, and luckily enough, they were able to squeak out a a, a pitching battle against Cal. But yeah, you're not going to squeak out a pitching battle against Stanford. You got to yeah. you know show up for yeah and have those yeah. bats blazing if you're going to beat them. I mean, it is crazy because Stanford is a team that they beat uh, that they shut well, out during yeah, the regular season, say, and um, by yeah, and Logan Mercado myself there because they actually did win. I know, win which Stanford. is but like but one of them was Jay Stofall, who's not going to yes, be playing. Yeah, in and general, the other one was Logan Mercado. But I mean, on this podcast, I am on record as saying like I am more inclined to believe that Stanford had bad clams for lunch than Logan Mercado actually pitched that game yeah. <laughs> um, properly. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I stick I stick by the reasoning that in order to beat Stanford on any given day, you're going to have to light it up offensively. And I mean, Stanford is the number 12 team in RPI for baseball. You know, like, you know, that's an, it's just like, well, of course, they're sort of getting brutal. Oregon is, you know, 38 in RPI, which ain't bad, but I mean, that, that gap is pretty big. You know, it's, it's even bigger than the Oregon versus Oklahoma state softball gap, which is, you know, a, a 15 rank gap. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a 26 rank gap, um, for, for Oregon versus Stanford in baseball. Um, so, you know, like the, the fact that Oregon's keeping it even relatively close, uh, is, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, for, and so sort of like given those parameters, like, you know, given the fact that Oregon just has, has like just nobody in their bullpen. I mean, those are human beings. I'm not trying to make them feel bad or anything, but like what would happen if they did feel bad? Like number one, they don't know what my name is. And number two, like, like, you know, what would they do if they found me, like th- throw baseballs at my head? Like, like my head's <laughs> smaller than the strike zone. Like I'm in no danger. Like, uh, uh you That's know, a good analogy of your safety there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, go, go ahead guys. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just take my chances of that. Do, one. do your worst. Like, <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, been, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been one of those kind of years for them. However, I, I think all things considered, you could say this was a reasonably successful season, given given the win streak they went on early on and, and just the position they put themselves in to be in like the top half of the conference. 
at least. I, I wouldn't I mean, say it was a, a failure of a season or anything like that. They, they, you know, they they played some fun games. They, I mean, they they beat Stanford, you know, in their series yeah. against them. Uh, uh, it did require the clams game, uh, the the bad clams game, as I'm calling it. Uh, you know, um, they, uh, <laughs> you know, the the bats. I, you know, I have all season long been wondering whether or not the bats are an illusion. You know, because they, you know, they they tend to go cold against you know better pitchers. But like that's kind of a tautology. You know, like you know when when they faced batters or pitchers capable of shutting them down, the, those pitchers, you know, t- the, their bats tend to get shut down. Well, yeah, so that works. You know. Yeah. Uh, um, but like you know they they, they are their bats are real enough that i watch every one of their games through the end of the ninth inning you know no, they're never they're never out of it and that's one of the things we talked about last time is that it'll 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 hold true in in almost any sport that if you have a really really high powered offense you're never quite out of the game uh, because of how quickly you can put points up and so that has been, you know, they're like what they, pardon the pun, hung their hat on all season. And that's fine. Now we were talking about, you know, improvement, like for what Lombardi has to do. Uh, you know, what, what baseball needs to do now is, is, is try to find out next year kind of who are your best pitchers. I know like you're yeah. just loaded with young guns, but it's time to start a little bit of the weeding process in the, you know, in the sophomore years. Yeah. I mean, definitely they need to, you know, uh, they need to get healthy in the bullpen. Um, They, they need to, as you say, do some, you know, you know, uh, filtration. Um, They probably need to figure out what their closing, you know, what their closer situation is like. Um, You know, I have been very skeptical of Malaris as a closer. Um, And, uh, and then on top of that, you know, I think they probably could use a little more clutch hitting. Like I I know that there's a lot of debate in the stats community about whether or not clutch hitting, um, is a a thing or not, but like, there's a lot of times where I just feel like I'm watching Oregon baseball and it's like, okay, man, the pitching is not there. I need you to, you know, these aren't insurance runs. These are comeback runs, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, ooh, the comeback run wasn't there. You know, like I need you to be hitting hum- comeback runs. Um, yeah. Uh, y- you know the the I, I'm I'm sort of you know uh, was is earlier in his tenure. You know, I think this is year four for him. Um, and you know the pitching situation is just you know it, it's uh you know he's had two. You know his two best pitchers are out. You know, like yeah. okay, you know you, you, you get a, a little bit of a you get a mulligan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely a situation where okay, so they're I, I would expect them to get selected for regionals. I mean, obviously they're not going to host, but like if Stofall comes back, you know, they're I think their bats are good enough that with like basically the way they're going to get seated is that like they're, they're probably going to be the three in a, and so therefore they can probably, you know, clobber the team that they're going to, you know, play in the first game. Yeah. Um, One of those situations it, that you 
see in the NFL a lot where the home team is not necessarily the one that's expected yeah. to win in the first round and you just have a team that you know is way stronger even though they're playing on the road. Right. So like basically because Oregon's been on this dive without Stofall, I think the way that they're going to get seeded for the tournament if they get Stofall back, they can kind of dark horse it. Um they they might be able to pull up like an upset win. Like, I don't expect to advance past the regionals, but like, I also think if they get Stofall back, they won't get swept out of the regionals either. Yeah. Um, but this is all speculative. We're going to have to wait to see how uh, that goes down. Uh, like, you know, ha- how it gets posted. You know, I, I don't think that happens. I, the selection isn't uh, Sunday either. I think it's not till Monday. Yeah. Um, so, we're, you know, we're going to have to wait, um, you know, quite a while to figure out how that all goes down. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, the 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 show's not till uh, Monday, the 29th, although it's early in the morning. It's 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some football. So my uh, Pac-12 preview series rolls on. This week I wrote about uh, the Oregon State Beavers. Um, This uh, is always an interesting team to write about um, because uh, the way that they recruit and manage their roster is so different from the Ducks. Um, uh, You know, they last year, I mean, the thing that was truly astonishing about the Beavers last year was that their defense, you know, jumped up from like 91st in F plus to 13th in F plus, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, there's there's there was a lot of discussion about why that was, you know, for me. And I, you know, I, I just located it on the, it was just a super senior defense. You know, it was just a bunch of guys that I've been watching for a long time who like, yeah. Yeah, no, they were, like, they had veterans up and down that defense. Yeah, so. exactly. And I mean, which is like good for them, like genuinely good for them. I'm I'm glad they got to go out, you know, on such a highly ranked defense. But but here's the deal: they all go out. You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, I I you know you know when I break down their roster, I'm like, there's nine of the guys who were starting for them, or like that's you know, you sort of have to think about like 14 guys as starters because, you know, I know there's only 11 guys on the field, but like there are certain positions where they have to rotate between like three guys at a, at a starter, you know? So like of the 14 guys that you need to consider in the primary rotation, whereas other position like cornerback, for example, they really only played those two dudes and only those two dudes. Mm -hmm. So anyway, of the 14, you know, primary dudes, nine of them, you know, had been, you know, starting for between like three and five years, like starting between three and five years not like had been playing football you know but one of them was only a couple of games i mean literally was the oregon state or previously the uh, juco um you know starter for three to five years um it was it was kind of uh jonathan smith's inaugural group of guys that you know he yeah yeah or or the very like it was very oregon state you know like a very like yeah that's how that type of team or a utah type of team yeah you know or just like sort of like traditional football like when you think of old school football like how an old school defense is built you know when they get real good yeah it's that well i mean it's, it's it's essentially the uh 
2005 Redeem Team Ducks. Sure. I mean, it was the same group of guys that were getting clobbered the the previous couple years, but it just got to the point where it was senior-laden, and they developed to the point where they were leaders and impact players like that. Yeah. You'll see that still. Just but it's not like, as much in programs like Oregon that are just reeling in blue chippers. Right, exactly. Well, let me circle back to like how that contrasts with Oregon. But just to finish the point, like uh, here's the thing, though, is that like of those nine dudes, you know, that were like starters, you know, three to five years starters, you know, and in some cases, six like that. I should have mentioned that, like, yeah. like Jack Coletto, for example, you know, had somehow yeah. been playing well, football the, for six COVID, years. COVID extension and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing is that COVID sort of became, you know, for for teams that are built like the way that Oregon State is built, that it was a blessing that 2020. Yeah. yeah, sort of becomes a blessing in disguise. Yeah, exactly. Because they all got like an extra free year to develop. Um, and it's not like that, you know, they were going on the NFL. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, but here's the thing. Those nine dudes, eight of them are gone. Yeah. Cause it was their last year. Like, you know, they were all like red shirt seniors or super seniors, you know, like who were hanging on by their toenails, you know, for, for college eligibility. Um, so it's like, you know, for uh, for everybody who's sort of like patting Jonathan Smith on the back and saying, like, boy, what a great job you did. You know, what's next for you guys? Like, well, what's next for them is a big step back. Um, yeah, most likely. The, I mean, th- their their offense is going to be a lot better just because they now have I don't, a, quarter, a quarterback, at least. I actually yeah. don't really think that's true. But like, uh, wh- well, I'll I mean, I'll they, put, they have more of a quarterback than they had last year. For I actually day. don't think that's true. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, let me put a pin in that real quick. I, I, I we'll talk about that uh, next. But let me just finish up on the defense, though. Sure. Is that like because you you wanted to talk about recruiting and, and sort of you know, but and I thought your point was a very fair one, and it's one of the ones that I sort of hit on in the or suggest in the article, um, and definitely in in our podcast with Travis Johannes, um, who writes for for um, build, building the dam or sister site, uh, um, is that like the 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 thing that was that's sort of amazing is that he Jonathan Smith sort of lost all of this production. But like he didn't really hit the portal really hard in order to replace all of that production. Um, And and it's kind of crazy because, you know, um, like throughout the Pac-12, you know, there's been a lot of really lazy uh, roster managers, Um, you know, uh, up and down the Pac-12, you know, uh, 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 especially in the Pac-12 South. Right. Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, USC. Um, had super lazy roster managers and all four of those teams flipped it in the last couple of years, right? You know, Arizona went from Sumlin to Fish, right? ASU went from Edwards to Dillingham. Uh, USC went from Helton to Riley. Uh, uh, Colorado went from Durrell to Deion Sanders. Holy crap. You yeah, know, that was, <laughs> yeah. That's he, a big he, jump right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, And so like, and on top of that, in this particular moment, um, the NCAA has lifted the 25 initial counter cap 
you know, the, the rule that says in any given cycle, you can only take 25 new bodies, um, right? Whether that be prep recruits or transfers in or however you do it, you can only take in 25 new bodies. Well, last year and this year, and maybe they're going to do it again next year. Um, that they, they they waive that, so you can take in as many new guys as you want right now. Um, and on top of that, the transfer portal is wide open as ever, right? Like there's you know oh, yeah. you don't need an excuse, you don't need to justify no. it to anybody, you don't need that to sit out for a year. There's no like year and residency. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just like instantly get to show up and start playing. Yeah. Um, so like. What all of these, so you, so you have, you know, the market has never been more liberal. Um, if you want to think about it in economics terms, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, for, for, you know, player fluidity, um, and, uh, and, and so like, and you combine that with a bunch of Pac-12 coaches who, uh, you know, have gone from schools have gone from like very lazy and complacent roster managers, to super aggressive ones. And Jonathan Smith, you know, was in this moment where like he was very successful. He, you know, had lost a bunch of production off of his team. On top of that, I can tell you from having reviewed his roster, you know, like he's got a bunch of career bench warmers. You know, I, I listed in that podcast with Travis 14 of them. And I gave at the end of the podcast, I listed all 14 of the guys that I believed are career bench warmers because they had been on the roster since 2021 or earlier. And actually 11 of the 14, um, were, were 2020 or earlier. Like it's yeah. really so a long point, time. Like, if you haven't yeah, played right now, <laughs> you have been on the team. I mean, yeah. are you kidding? You have been collecting a scholarship check for three plus years and you've never played, you know, or basically never played. Um, and, and like, it's not going to happen guy. And I gave Travis and it, you know, like, do you want to go to bat for any of these guys? And he sort he picked one guy. He's like, maybe this guy. Um, but otherwise, you know, no. And it's like that, you know, Deion Sanders ain't putting up with that. Kenny Dillingham ain't putting up with that. You know, Dan Lanning ain't putting up with that. Put up with that then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But Jonathan Smith's putting up with that. And, and. And what he should have done is cleared out the career bench warmers, um, and, and, uh, and used, you know, capitalized, used this moment that he has, you know, more success than that program's had in a lot, you know, they won 10 games, right. Yeah. You know, all this and been, been like, come all to my in, program, you know, everything. Co- he had, he had momentum that he could have used to draw. Yeah, people right. Down. Come, you know, come, come show up. And the quarterback that you mentioned that they got, he's the exception, not the rule. He's the one like high profile guy. That but even then, I'm not even saying necessarily, you know, go get high profile guys. Get a guy who's been playing football. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, like, go get a JUCO guys from Montana that could. Yeah, or yeah, an FCS like, guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Anybody who's been playing football is better than a guy who hasn't been playing football and never yeah, will. You know, raid those you. Mountain West teams or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and the, and then the people you know who make the argument about like loyalty or whatever you know, like Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, you know, made this argument about lo- loyalty. I think I that that argument, in my opinion, is so you know. It is you are not doing favor to a kid by having him stay on your bench and not play football. He right. wants to go play football. Let him go play at a level of school. You know, exactly you know, if he's not going to play at a power five football, let him go play at a G five level where he is going to see the field. That's exactly you know? why the 
transfer portal is so hot in all these sports right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, these these kids want a chance to actually play the sport. That yeah, they exactly. If he needs play. to drop down a level in order to play, <laughs> then he needs to drop down a level in order to play. Like, sure. We saw, you know, a, 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 I mean, I, at least I was a fan of him a long, a long time back of uh, Justin Roper, who I thought came sure. in, you know, in, in a situation where it was just like, holy crap, you know, could we be any worse off a quarterback and, and did a pretty good job of keeping that glue together. But you know what I mean? He was, he just wasn't the, the right fit for like the Chip Kelly kind of offense and stuff. So he did, you know, he went to Montana and he tore it up there. And then, you know, I was just like, good yeah. for you, man. You know, that's, it's better to go tear it up there than just be at the back of the ducks bench. Like no hard feelings yeah. there. Like, or, or the other thing that people sometimes say, you know, who haven't like cottoned on to, to this at all, you know, who are, it's really dumb that they say this, but they say it anyway. Um, is that like, Oh, if somebody hits the portal out of your program, it's an evidence that like you failed to evaluate them properly out of high school and you're busting like or that it's a evidence of like cultural problem at your school. No, wrong. It's so stupid. Guys that are producing more than they are. Yeah, exactly. And that that's natural. Like it's just the law of averages, you know, like, you know, I, I can I. Um, I mean, I have been keeping a full database of all these Pac-12 teams, plus all the out-of-conference teams that Oregon has been playing. I've been doing it for you know a long time. I have a huge data set, and it's an ironclad law. A third of the guys that you take in work out. A third of the guys are going to wash out, and a third is you know somewhere in between. You know, they're right. you know you, you yeah. get good play out of them, but then they get injured, or you know, Absolutely. like they're just a career backup or whatever. But it's it's yeah. ironclad, man. And the fact that like yeah, a certain percentage, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fixed number. It's about a third, you know, and for Jonathan Smith, the fact that he had like 14 career bench warmers on his team. Yeah. It's about exactly the, you know, right number. It is not unusual at all. There's no dishonor about it. It's not unusual. It's, you know, whatever he's supposed to have that number, but what he's not supposed to do is keep them. You know, he's supposed to clear out that cap space and replace them with guys who are good depth. And like that was what we discovered when we did the podcast with Travis, is, you know, especially on the defense was just like, you know, they have like they're it's a bunch of really green players that they have to replace this because that's the thing about all those seniors. That's why I didn't want to switch over and talk about the offense yet. Yeah, I want the, the point that I wanted to make to finish up on the defense was that like all those super awesome defensive, you know, players who are getting all those snaps. They were getting all those snaps because exactly. why would you, you know, wreck your awesome defensive win streak by putting in that like, you know, red shirt freshman to get him some reps? No, oh, sure. you were having the red shirt senior play, you know, to give you a shot at beating USC or to hang on by your toenails and, and beat Oregon, you know? You oh, know yeah, I mean, they, it, they won, it, the, they won the civil war thanks to a defensive right. team. So it's right. Like, exactly. Yeah, those, so, those guys are winning you the games. Like So then as soon as they leave, you know, so like all those things, you know, I had been praising Jonathan Smith during the the first like three or four years in his tenure. And I was like way ahead of everybody else. You know, I was praising <laughs> him coming off of a two and 10 season because yeah. I was what, you know, in 2018, because I was watching his roster management moves. I was watching him do things like replace Connor Blount with Jake Luton, which was a really good move. I was watching him rotate his players. I was mm-hmm. watching, you know, I was watching all these different rosters. I was watching him um, get transfers before it was cool um <laughs> like it was so funny all the things that i praised jonathan smith doing because he was more aggressive and better of a 
of a roster manager, um, in all the different thing, all the different aspects that roster management represents. All of those things are things that he's failing to do in 2022 and 2023 and is getting like lapped by the new guys. And it's like, I got to retract like all of my, you know, pound for pound best coach in the Pac-12 stuff about, you know, John, like he had this moment and he blinked. Yeah. It's really, I mean, roster roster management. That's, that's, you know, you got to stay relevant. Yeah. it's, It's, it's unfortunate to see that happen to them just as they were finally reaping the benefits of his, of his good roster management in those early yeah, years. Exactly. You know, and it's like, finally I saw I, some he, success in 21 and 22 because of that. I mean, I said it in the, in, in, in like the, <laughs> the, the comment, uh, you know, I made at the bottom of my article was it like, it, it was sort of a weird thing to say because as an Oregon fan, I sure didn't like, you know, the beeves, uh, you know, having a good season and beating Oregon at the end of the year, but as like an, as an analyst, you know, as, as someone who attempts to be objective and make predictions about seasons, I found it like kind of gratifying because it was like, I called this like five years before it happened, Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? It was just like, yeah, exactly, you know, but and I then think even, I think even from a fan standpoint is that it, it makes it a little funner when Oregon State's competitive. Sure. You know? Like sure. When, they're, when they're just god awful and it's the civil bore every year. Then, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I kind of enjoy those too, but like, <laughs> uh, but you know, but, but my point is like, yeah, for as much as an analyst, I was gratified at seeing those like long ago predictions, fi- you know, finally pay off that same analyst was disappointed to be like, John, you know, now is when you take the next step and capitalize on those moments to, to make Oregon state version two, you know, let me make some more five-year predictions, you know, but now I can't now my five-year predictions are this team stagnates and goes backwards because, you know, he's not capitalizing. Um, Anyway, let me uh, let me now talk about the point that you brought up about getting a better quarterback. I don't think he is. Um, I, you know, I reviewed his, his statistical performance and the history. You're you're talking about the the quarterback he got um, from Clemson, DJ Uyunglele. Yes. Um, he was their quarterback, starting quarterback for two years, 2021 and 2022. Although he played two games in 2020 when Trevor Lawrence was uh, out um, for COVID reasons, um, but then he missed effectively the last two games of 2022 because he got pulled for ineffectiveness, and Cade Klubnik came in and basically played. Yeah the last two games um uh so i like i've got a pretty big data set you know on uh dju um the other thing is i have him across two different uh, offensive coordinators because um uh uh tony elliott um uh clemson's longtime offensive coordinator left at the end of the 2021 season to become the head coach at virginia and the quarterbacks coach um brandon streeter got promoted to offensive coordinator he got fired at the end of 2022 because i guess they didn't you know like the offense uh under him uh, but it's funny because all of Uyunglele's stats, you know, quarterback like passer stats go up. Like he was a better coach for him than than Elliot was. Um, but anyway, like you know, uh, you know, I'm able, you know, in my article, read my article. I go through all of it and I provide a link to to you know the entire statistical breakdown where I got every single game that he played. I got every single, and then I compared it to every single game across 2020 and 2022, like the exact same time frame um, that Oregon State played across their three quarterbacks, Tristan Jebbia, Chance Nolan, and Bendigo Branson that um that that Brian Lindgren, their offensive coordinator slash 
quarterbacks coach. Um, and it's like the stats are identical. It's like same number of completions, same number of attempts, same, you know, uh, uh, touchdowns, uh, actually way more interceptions for, um, uh, Oregon state. Um, uh, uh, Oregon state actually has slightly better passer rating. Um, I found the F plus defensive rating for every team that they played averaged them out. They have like almost precisely the same average, um, F plus defensive rating. Cause guess what? ACC teams, ACC defenses versus PAC 12 defenses, not a whole lot of difference there. Um, so like, and, and, and here's the thing. Uh, Lay's passer rating stunk like he was a bad quarterback for Clemson. And here's the thing about even though Jonathan Smith's former quarterback and everybody likes his offenses, his quarterbacks have been. I mean, everybody observed it, right? Like his quarterbacks have stunk ever since he lost Jake Luton at the end of the 2019 season. And it's like their stats are the identical. But but at Clemson. Uyunglele had a bunch of four-star wide receivers to throw to, yeah. and that didn't give me the case at, at yeah, Oregon, exactly, um, or Oregon State. I mean, and, and given that, you know, you can't. It's 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 not like contrastable to um, uh, Penix or Knicks, who you know were yeah. playing in conferences where the defense was better. Yeah, and then you know, what I mean, they come to the pack. Pac-12, where defenses aren't nearly the same. Yeah, exactly. And they just they completely light it up. So yeah, it, that that I think is a good point. You're 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 talking about ACC defenses. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I mean, I think there's other factors in the Knicks and Panics things too. But yeah, definitely that is also true. Yeah, if you and Galele had been coming from you know the SEC, the Big Ten, something of that nature, you know, I'd be like, okay, yeah, well, maybe you'd on. say, well, yeah, he's got an easier he defensive, against, you know, soft yeah. defense. But yeah, no, I agree with that statement. Uh, yeah, ACC, it's like terrible. The 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 idea that he's suddenly going to perform better against Pac-12 defenses or under Brian Lingren. I mean, that's the other thing that's really, you know, I don't know why nobody's talking about, but like Brian Lingren's quarterback development has been bad, like bad. Like he might be the worst quarterback coach in the Pac-12 at this point, like work of, of the 12 working quarterback coaches. He might be the worst. Yeah. Like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, I mean, considering that how much Oregon state relied on the ground game and, and just yeah. considering that they, they literally just had to use that as their complete staple. I'd, I'd have to agree. I'd, I really saw no development. And it's been like, it's passing. been over three years and three quarterbacks. It's not like it's yeah. just, Oh, he's been stuck with like, you know, one bomb that they haven't been able to move on for, for complicated reasons. Nope. You know, it's, it's a wide sample set, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so the, you know, oh, and then the other part of the equation for like their passing games that like, and also, you know, indictment of Jonathan Smith and his sort of like not being aggressive is that like they, they've lost all their pass targets. They lost Luke Musgrave, their tight end who went to, you know, got drafted in the second round, um, and haven't replaced, you know, the haven't done any work in the tight end room. In fact, it was a sort of long discussion that we had in the podcast is sort of, it looks like they're sort of minimizing the tight end room, you know, at this point in favor of the wide receiver room. But then it's like they lost their top two pass catchers out of the wide receiver room. They bring the next two guys back, but they're both short. They're both like five, eight. So it's like, okay, you need to get some tall guys, you know, to round out the room. So who do you got? And it's like big silent moment. Yeah. 
because like they didn't get anybody they got zero portal editions yeah um it's, uh, it's a gutted roster and, and, I, and, even and i was surprised at the at, at the just them doing nothing in the portal i mean i thought he's cr- i mean it was crazy yeah no i mean i know that they're edition. not a destination like oregon or washington or sc or anything like that but i was like i mean still you are a power five program yeah. you just came off a successful season you can build that to people like look what we're building here you know like, yeah exactly so it's like even if i'm totally wrong about Uyunglele, or if i'm wrong about him being good or if i'm wrong about him being the starter and instead they go with the true freshman that they got aiden childs who really does look like an electric athlete and and will probably be the future like it's possible that he either wins the start as a true freshman or like Uyunglele gets the start but then he gets the hook sometime during the season. Now, if the, I actually think there's I, a strong possibility yeah, that happen that happens. The same thing that happened to Clemson. Well, yeah. Um, now, I, I think there's a strong possibility that that happens. But if it does, in my opinion, it's going to go back to Goldbranson because he's still around. Because, like, yeah. I sort of think that that's a conservative program and they're going to go with the devil you know who's Goldbranson. But I may be wrong about that too. Um, and, and they may go to Childs um, and get started early. Um, with him um, in fact honestly if they give Uyunglele the the hook it's probably the smarter thing for them to do um, is to go with Childs and I'm yeah. you know and when I make a prediction that they're not going to do that I am kind of saying that I think that they're going to do the dumb thing um, so I, I would be pl- like surprised if they did what I think would be the smart thing go with Childs um, but anyway even if I'm wrong about all of that you know even if I'm wrong um, that you know in Uyunglele is good or I'm wrong and he gets the uh, I'm wrong about what happens if he gets the hook and they put in Childs and Childs is good um, who the hell is he going to throw to you know, they got no tight ends. They got like exactly. two short wide receivers yeah. and they got, they got nobody out the portal. They got, you know, like n- nobody who's say, developed, like D- DJ like, can tear, DJ can tear it up, but they just don't have the weapons to be a successful team. And, and I mean, you know, sort of back to what I was saying about the defense it's just sort of like shocking how, I mean, like th- there was, there was somebody on a different board, you know, uh, uh, was commenting on my article that said, you know, that, that it was, you know, just appalling how, the, you know, just how shocking, how bad their pass catching situation is and just appalling that they didn't address it at all out of the portal. And yeah. that like, and that the situation was so bad that Oregon's number seven wide receiver would be their day one starter yeah. and, and that that wasn't hyperbole like the commenter said and that's not hyperbole and i was like oh come on that's got to be a little bit of hyperbole but then i had to think like who's oregon's number <laughs> seven receiver and so i flipped over and looked you know looked it up and i was like oh shoot oregon's i'm not sure who exactly number seven would be but it would be one of the freshmen it would either be um uh uh, uh justice low or Ashton Cozart or Kyler Casper, you know, one of those three um, yeah. true or redshirt freshmen. Um, and yes, absolutely. Oregon, if they were playing for Oregon State, they'd be the go-to. Receiver. Yes, absolutely. Justice yeah. Lowe, Ashton Cozart, or uh, or Kyler Casper would absolutely be their day one starter and number one pass catcher. Like would be like at a thousand yard receiver <laughs> for Oregon yeah. State if yeah. that guy transferred over to Corvallis right now. You know, like yeah, that's um that's fair, what the gap no, is fair, looking fair like. Point. And it, I mean. 
I, I like I I do think that DJ is 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 a little you know is is an upgrade from where they were. Um, not just based on you know statistics, but just based on like kind of like big game experience and whatnot. However, your your point is completely valid, and you you have to have weapons to utilize. Are are Knicks and Penix and Williams elite quarterbacks? Yes. Do they have elite weapons to use around them? Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, granted. Like I said, you know, I, I I do think DJ is is an upgrade as far as what they've had in recent years after Loton. However, I mean, I am, on paper, I'm, I'm completely with you that he he just has nobody to work with, even if he does put up better stats than Corvallis. You, you know, on paper, that's a hundred percent true. But like, look, you know, what what what, what you know, like I said, you know, a, a few minutes ago, like guys bust. A third of guys bust. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be a five star at a high school and bust like, yeah, there's about a 33% chance it'll happen. Like, I'm sorry. Like it, and it's not, it's not a bad reflection on anybody. It's just the law of averages. Um, No, you never know. And, and, and look, man, the data that we have so far pretty strongly suggests that that's the case for him. So, yeah. And the idea that like Brian Lindgren is going to be the lock that or the key that turns that lock, like the guy who I'm I'm fairly confident that you could make a, a, a strong case, you know, for being the worst quarterback coach in the Pac-12. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't I, I, I mean, I think the run game is still going to be very good because they return every one of the pieces that they need for, you know, their offensive line is going to be, you know, it's basically yeah. uh, like identical offensive linemen and they Let's have the same the running, running back who's really good. And they know that that's how it's supposed to, you know, go, like there's, yeah, I mean, the, and if you can run the ball, you're in, you know, every game because like you can play ball control. Like, I mean, Oregon State's still not going to be a fun team for anybody to play, um, yeah. but but last year they complement, you know, a run game and a great defense are complementary. That's peanut butter mm-hmm. and chocolate, you know. Sure. Um, a run game and a bad defense, um, that's like that's peanut not, butter and the same way. And we th- saw that's that chocolate and cheese, you know, like yeah. And Stanford was so dominant is because they could back up that three yards and a cloud of dust offense with their with their defense, and they lost their defense, and that offense didn't work anymore. Yeah, but I mean, if you're behind and all you can do is run the ball, because if you're behind because your defense is is suddenly mediocre or even bad, and all you can do is run the ball, um, that may be a problem. So, yeah. like, listen, you know, whenever we talk about, you know, other teams, what we're really talking about is Oregon. And, you know, the the thing about studying Oregon State that makes me appreciate, you know, Dan Lanning and Mario Cristobal before him is that, like, I really feel like Jonathan Smith blinked in this moment. And I really feel like Dan Lanning didn't, you know, like Dan Lanning doesn't tolerate career bench warmers. Dan Dan Lanning doesn't even tolerate guys who are pretty good. You know, Dan Lanning only except, you know, you need to be Dan Lanning comes from a national champion. So yeah, he's bred for success. You know, pretty good's not good enough. He's going to recruit over you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just sort of night and day difference. All right. I think it's going to do it for us this week. Uh, uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Adam? 
Uh, um, we're heading into the doldrums soon enough, people. So mm-hmm. um, strap in. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Well, we still got a little bit of baseball to play. Um, the uh, 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 regionals is going to come up. Um, uh, maybe they'll land in some warm water. They'll have some nice weather, uh, but it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>